Back with you, KMOX at your service on a Thursday night. I'm George Sells in for the St. Louis Cardinals who have a day off. Nice day for them. Hot day for them to be off, but it's kind of how it is out there. And speaking of bringing the heat, we have Kevin Colleen, who's been out in the heat chasing down the day's news. Kevin, thanks for popping in for a moment. George, thank you for coming in. You're like a rescue unit that comes to KMOX when people are on vacation, (laughs) triages the empty space and makes it interesting. Glad to be here. Uh, I was out in the heat today. Were you out sweating a little bit? I got out there and sweated a touch, but it was, uh, I mean, you're out, you're in the shirt and tie though. Always the professional, no matter what. I thought you might've gone with like some Bermuda shorts or something today. No, it doesn't quite carry the day. You know, when you have to approach people and interview them about big issues, you got to look, you know, like Gatsby. But uh, one of the issues today is we wanted to update the failed steak and shake. They, that's about, got like a harbinger of doom, all those steak and shakes that have failed. And there's one in South St. Louis that was proposed to become a medical marijuana dispensary. And it has now received final zoning approval from the city of St. Louis. So we went down there. This is uh, the Steak and Shake by Gravoy and River de Pair to get some reaction. This country is going to hell. It's quickly going to hell. And I know this because I have a medical background. And uh, marijuana leads to other drugs. That, that business is empty. And if there's a viable business to go in there, whether it's selling pot or not, it's, it's okay by me. It's going to be a terrific, terrific thing for it. Everybody around here comes around here, they, they'll all be over here. And I, think, I don't think it's going to be outstanding. People might get hooked on that stuff. I don't know. It's just a crutch. I don't know. And, and this is off the topic, but didn't that last woman sound like Marge Simpson? Just a little bit. Just yeah. a touch. But mixed reaction there, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, but what is the sense you get? Obviously, you picked out the four, a little bit for, a little bit against. Uh, but what is the overall sense you get? Is is it more get rid of the eyesore of the the vacant steak and shake, or yeah, it, it's it, there. It's almost like a capitulation. Uh, I guess I'm the only romantic who's saying, you know, bring back the milkshakes and the cheeseburgers. Let's fix steak and shake instead <laughs> of bringing in this. But everybody in the neighborhood has said, yeah, it's not working out with steak and shake. And uh, they see a value to medical marijuana, uh, some of them. Uh, You heard the one man who said we're going to hell, uh, that it leads to other drugs. But this project uh, has received its final zoning permission from the big city hall, uh, the planning commission there. And uh, it only needs a few uh, hoops to jump through on the building code, but it's expected to become a reality a medical marijuana facility in a failed steak and shake in South St. Louis. You've been covering St. Louis city government for a long time. Are you surprised that this is going through with what seems like relative ease is in the governmental process? Uh, you know, things are changing fast all over. It reminds me a little bit of when the casinos came in mm-hmm. and they started out, Oh, it's just a river boat. It'll be, you know, like Huckleberry Finn and you'll see the paddle wheel and it won't be on land. And now, you know, you've got gambling machines and every gas station, and, and it's it's just the beginning. I, you know, this is a medical marijuana facility, but I'll be watching this issue to see when is somebody going to say we ought to just sell pot for pleasure in St. Louis. Well, there's at least one group got a petition out right now trying to do just that on a, one of the coming elections. Now, the other thing you were telling me about was a suit from a while back. I don't know if you folks remember this. It was like it rang a bell for me. It was the group handing out bologna sandwiches to the homeless and 
the, the stop. They were told. <laughs> yes, the bologna sandwiches for the poor were being given out by the New Life Evangelistic Center three years ago downtown, and police said, "Hey, you can't do that without a permit." And so they issued a ticket to Pastor Ray Redlick and one of his helpers. And uh, it beca- they said, well, if you're going to ticket us, we're going to sue you. We'll take you to federal court because we're a church and we're trying to fulfill our mission. And, you know, Jesus didn't need a permit to feed the 5,000, all that kind of stuff. And uh, they have reached a disappointment, though. The, uh, the federal court said, you do not have a right to do this without a permit. And we got reaction from Pastor Ray Redlick with New Life. We... we- plan to continue to press on, and uh, we believe it is still a right for individuals to show love and compassion for the neighbor, and we shouldn't have to have a permit. And you might say, well, what's the big deal? Well, just go get a permit. And I thought, well, is it just like renewing your license and you do it once and you always have it? He said, no, you would need it repeatedly uh, for almost every instance where you want to have this outdoor outreach. And he said it could run into some money, you know, like $200 here and there. And that adds up for a I mean, new life is one of those places that they obviously are working on a, a thin dime most of the time. Yeah. A shoestring is the cliche I was looking for. But uh, it's interesting because if you asked me five years ago, who would be getting more trouble for the, from the city? The people trying to feed the homeless or the people trying to sell marijuana out of a steak and shake. And what your answer would have been, I would bet just about anybody, don't lie to yourselves out there. I would bet anybody would say, well, of course, they're going to stop the the marijuana. Well, the marijuana now, obviously, medical marijuana has been legalized and I've heard many positive things about it. I'm not passing any judgment here by any stretch of the imagination, but just considering how people approach things, you would think that. They would be more supportive, and especially government people, would be more supportive of feeding the homeless, which the city spends a lot of money trying to do, yeah. versus this other this other situation with the you know the dilapidated steak and shake and the the pot store going in but uh good point interesting how things have changed wouldn't you say yes and in fairness to the city george uh, the city did drop the tickets that it had issued three years ago from the original incident and since then they have not been enforcing this must have a permit to pass out food for the poor uh, but the New Life people, uh, Ray Redlick says they want to keep appealing this before a federal appeals court in the hopes that they can get a ruling that would set a precedent so some future mayor can't say, well, you know, we're going back to the old way. You can't pass out food to the poor. Well, just a day in the life of St. Louis, a 100-degree day in the life of St. Louis, and Kevin Colleen was out beating the streets through all of it. Thanks for jumping in, Kevin. Thanks, George. Keep cool. And <laughs> Not just 100 degrees, wet all out there now. Rain is pouring down, really coming down. So uh, batten down the hatches. If you're a little south of downtown, it's headed your way. KMOX News Time 1014. We'll be right back. Keep pace with the latest locally. Ask your smart speaker to play KMOX. Ten nineteen on a Thursday night. KMOX at your service. And... I got to tell you, this has been, for me, one of the funniest things to watch this last week. This entire dalliance between 
Texas and Oklahoma and their departure from the Big 12 Conference, which apparently was lined up and ready to go, and the Big 12 Conference didn't have a clue. <laughs> and uh, it's it just the whole thing's killing me. Kevin Wheeler, kind enough to come back and join us in the late evening to talk about this a little bit. And Kevin, I got to tell you, man, especially after the way uh, the Big 12 folks were back when Mizzou left, I'm just getting a belly laugh out of this whole situation. I mean, anybody that's, you know, like me, that's a dork about college football knew this was coming. I mean, not not necessarily now, not necessarily these two teams, but, I mean, we've been trending towards super conferences now for probably, you know, eight, nine years. And, you know, with the way that things are headed with the expanded playoffs and the name, image, and likeness, I mean, there's going to be a gap between, say, the top 50, 60 programs and everybody else. So they're probably going to end up being eventually four gigantic conferences, um, the SEC obviously being the most prominent of those. And that's kind of how it's going to line up. You'll have four conferences with 16 teams, 64 teams, and that's going to be the way it sets up. I mean, it's it makes the most sense for TV. These are all the programs that generate the most attention and, and biggest audiences on television. And it's the best way to make um, for them, you know, for these programs, the, the most money that they can. What's amazing to me is the timeline, though, because you remember when Mizzou was starting to talk about the idea of leaving. And we had the rumors and the contacts with the Big Ten, and then that didn't quite work out. And then all of a sudden there may be some talks with the SEC. And the, you know, this went on for, for weeks and weeks until there was you know some kind of finality to it. And this thing, it's like story breaks on Tuesday, Wednesday, we're not coming back. Thursday, they get the invitation. Friday, they accept. Boom, done, signed, sealed, and delivered. We're gone. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm. I, I want to say that I'm going to say this. It's going to be blunt. It's going to sound terrible, but it's not meant as an insult. It's just an observation. Mizzou is not Texas or Oklahoma. True. <laughs> I mean, Fair. it's just that simple. These are two of the all-time great college football programs. Um, Texas is, if not the most profitable football program in the nation, I think it's it's either first or second. It's them and University of Michigan. They're the big two. Um, so, you know, you add that into Oklahoma with not only their recent tradition of being a regular contender, but their history as well. I mean, th- these are powerhouse programs. So, yeah, they get to write their own ticket a little bit more easily. And But while Mizzou may not be Texas or Oklahoma – there have got to be a lot of people at Mizzou who were deeply involved in that process that are sitting here now feeling like, yeah, we made the right move when we did this. I mean, it, you Monday morning quarterbacking this one, and uh, boy, the, did they pull a score because the now yeah, we're, we're at the musical chairs game now. When's the music going to stop and who's going to have a seat? And Mizzou is in a very comfy one that they don't have to worry about. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, yes, for sure. It, it was a no-brainer that they wanted to get out of the Big 12. Um, you know, it, first of all, because the Big 12 was largely just run by Texas and Oklahoma. You know, they were the ones that pretty much dictated everything as the big dogs in the conference, and you were in a weaker spot there anyway, especially with Nebraska going to the Big 10, right? I mean, you were in a spot where the conference had already taken a step back, and the fact that you could get to the SEC, I mean, that's... I just you 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 don't say no to that. That's that's pretty easy to do, and you get to jump along in there with Texas A and M. And tell me this: the 
because you, you mentioned, you know, they were the power brokers. Texas and Oklahoma kind of were the, the big kids on the block that pushed everybody else around. It makes me wonder how they're going to function in an environment where, I mean, they're still big dogs, but they're far from the only ones anymore, both on the business side of things and on the field. Yeah, I think that that's, that's going to be an interesting adjustment because Texas is basically used to doing whatever it wants to do. I mean, that's what they've been doing for, for decades now. And, you know, they basically ran the Big 12, or at least it seemed like it. I mean, they, they may not have, but it certainly looked like uh, to, to all of us on the outside of all the dealings that, that Texas was running the show. And as the biggest, you know, moneymaker in the conference, they certainly had a lot of influence. Uh, and that's, yeah, in the SEC, they're not going to wield that. You know, in the SEC, Alabama's the big dog. Uh, but then you throw in all the other big dogs that are in there too. I mean, you can't sleep on Georgia. You can't sleep on Florida. And I'm not just talking about on the field year in and year out. I'm talking about the weight of the program and the amount of money behind those programs and, of course, the name value. And, and when, you, when you think about you know, the clout, I mean, it's also the history in that particular conference, right? I mean, all of these schools that I'm naming, uh, throw in LSU, throw in – heck, you can even throw in Tennessee if they get to be good again – uh, these are these are schools that have the history in that conference that give them more weight than somebody that's coming in from somewhere else. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And on the field, I'll tell you what, I will be very interested to see this. Well, let's do this one first. Before we get to who's going to do how well and all that sort of thing, do you really buy that they're going to sit in the Big 12 until 2025? Because my my gut tells me they play this next season in the Big 12 and they're out. I don't know how they do that, to be honest with you. I mean, you got TV contracts that have to be fulfilled. And, you know, I, I'm not sure that there's any way that the TV partners are going to let the Big 12 and, and their membership out of that, those deals. Um, it, it, it would be awkward, especially if it's for three years, right? Right. It's, <laughs> I mean, a, it's a long time. But yeah. Uh, and that goes back to, you know, the cease and desist letter that the commissioner of the Big 12 sent trying to get them to, yes, <laughs> accusing ESPN of, trying to sabotage the works there. But uh, I, and I don't know if you saw the thing tonight that now the American conference is already trying to clean up the scraps. Did you see that? Oh yeah. I mean, they, they, for sure. And and look, cause everybody's looking for survival now, right? Yep. I mean, you know, the, the, the ones that are okay are going to be the sec, the big 10, I'd say the ACC is probably okay as well. Um, You know, there, I'm sure there are going to be teams in there, you know, Florida state, whatever that, that, might look to try to jump to the SEC, but I don't. I don't know why they would. I mean, if you're in the ACC now, all they need to do is snap up a couple of teams that might be hanging around out there, and they can go to work with a, with their own super conference. And these those big teams don't have to deal with Bama and Texas and A and M and Georgia and all that stuff. They can continue, uh, especially Clemson, can continue to just run things the way they want to. I think the big wild card in the ACC too is Notre Dame. See yes. Notre Dame. Uh, is a full conference member in the ACC and everything except football. They like their independence in football. And number one, I don't know why the ACC decided to go along with that. Because if Notre Dame's not bringing football, they're not bringing a ton of value. Uh, they they don't. They're it's a really nice basketball program, but it doesn't add to what you already have with North Carolina and Duke and Wake Forest and all of that. So it's not like their TV their, that the, the 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 basketball program adds a lot to the TV value for the ACC on the basketball side, and none of the other sports make any money. So it doesn't even matter how good you are at track and field, baseball, crew, whatever. I mean, you know, it's it's football is the big money maker, and I, I don't 
I'm not really sure why the ACC decided to do this and then just let Notre Dame keep their independence. I mean, Notre Dame is in a spot where they might have to choose here soon. I think they are. Yeah, I I think they are because the the leverage is kind of gone. NBC still have they still have the NBC contract, and that make that's been the the big wheel in the whole thing. But they, as this expands out, because the next question is going to be not really a question. I think it's going to be pretty obvious. But if they're going to sixteen teams, that almost certainly means they're going to add another conference game, which means they're going to be fewer of those non conference states to go around, right. which means fewer opportunities for the independents. So that says to me, Notre Dame now that they've already kind of done it anyway. Notre Dame lands in the in the ACC, and we probably see B, uh, BYU in the Pac-12 before this is all over. I mean, you would think, you know, I, mean, I think that, you know, BYU and Boise and all that are interesting, but here's the thing. You know, a lot of what these, these expansions are about are about television sets. They're not necessarily about the quality of a football program. I mean, they're about that too, don't get me wrong, but the draw to the SEC for Texas and Oklahoma is that you're getting more viewers in a huge state like Texas and in a, with a program like Oklahoma that has a national following. So, you know, what the, the the fuel for all of this are these television contracts. And each conference obviously cuts its own deal with the television partners that it wants, you know, ESPN, Fox and you know, CBS whatever. And the 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 bigger television footprint you have, the better off you will be when it comes to negotiating that next set of deals. Right, right. It's going to be interesting. There's no doubt about that. I'm sure that the uh, network execs are, I don't know if they're scared or if they're excited. Probably a little bit of both at this point because uh, the SEC is already powerful and it's going to have a lot more clout here coming up. And that's before you even get to what's on the field. And very quickly we'll, we'll finish with that because my prediction personally is Texas and Oklahoma, if you put them in the SEC a couple of years from now, I don't know that they're going to be quite as successful as maybe they think they're going to be. And you and you just look at some of the results in uh, non-conference matchups uh, that the, that those two leagues have had. I mean, oh yeah, I think LSU is still scoring on Oklahoma's defense from two years ago in the college football playoff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's no question. The competition level is going to be much more complicated, much more difficult. Um, you know, one of the things that you can look forward to, though, is, I mean, Nick Saban's not going to be in Alabama forever. True. You know, I mean, he's not exactly a youngin'. So, you know, you look three or four down years down the road, is he still there? I mean, I, maybe, but... He may not be, but wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised if Dabo Sweeney stepped in there. That's another conversation Boy, I don't for know. another yeah, day. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's another, <laughs> that's a longer conversation, too. <laughs> well, Kevin, thank you so much for taking a little time this evening. Really do appreciate it, and uh, this is going to be fun to watch, and uh, Mizzou is in a really good place in the context of all this, a much better place than they might have been had they chosen differently back uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. So, Kevin, thanks a lot. Have a great night. You got it, George. It is 1030 in rainy downtown St. Louis on KMOX. Get the inside story on what's happening with your St. Louis Cardinals this season directly from the Redbirds manager. It's the Mike Schilt Show, Sunday mornings at 1015, sponsored by Bath Fitter on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. And we're back, KMOX, at your service on a Thursday night. And with all the talk of masking and vaccines and the various rules for being indoors, one restaurant group here in town is 
doing something you're going to probably see more and more of. They basically decided if you want to eat inside, you have to have had a vaccination. That's the rule, and that's what they're going to go with. We're joined now by Ben Paremba. He is with Olio, Elia, and Nixta, and the Benevolent King, all down in South City, some fantastic restaurants. Ben, thanks for joining us here on KMOX. Uh, Pleasure being here. Ben, tell me, first of all, when you arrived at this decision, did you realize it was going to get as much attention as it has? Uh, well, I suspected as much with uh, you know how polarized our society has become. Uh, it can hardly do anything uh, without uh, getting you know some some level of exposure, and so we uh, we suspected. But uh, I have to say that you know we've we've received overwhelming uh, overwhelming support uh, and great words of encouragement from our guests and uh, from others, and so. Uh, we feel reaffirmed and vindicated that we've made the right choice, the right decision. Tell me what led you to this, because everybody's dealing with the same set of problems and uh, the different regulations and changes and all that sort of stuff. How did you decide that you were just going to go this, go the distance with this? Well, um, you know, we we, we, we all see, uh, you know, uh, the scientific data. Uh, uh, we also see what other countries are doing. You know, I'm, a, I'm an immigrant, and, and I see what the kind of things that are happening in my home country of Israel. Um, and and the words are out there. I mean, the the it's it's the, the, the message is written on the wall. You know, you have to get vaccinated, and, and uh, you know, you have to wear masks, and you have to take the precautions in order to, uh, to fight, uh, to win this fight against COVID. And, uh, you know, this past 18 months of Still very fresh in my memory. Uh, we also uh, have seen tremendous amount of, uh, of comeback. You know, great business. Uh, people want to come and support us, and so I just I just want to go back to business as normal, and I want to make sure that uh, we're not making the mistakes uh, that we've made 18 months ago, and, and that we take all the, the serious precautions. And it's just it's I feel like you know there's a consensus in the scientific community and the expert community that. Those are the things. Those are the things that are going to make us uh, win. And so, it, for me, it was a, a not an easy by any means, but a but a very logical, responsible thing to do. How difficult has this last eighteen months or so been? I mean, you've got four four businesses basically you're trying to run. All the people you employ, and obviously, I'm sure you were doing a lot of the the carry out and stuff that a lot of restaurants were doing. But this has to have been a challenge for you just to keep the doors open and the lights on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, you know, the story is, is kind of familiar with uh, with many other restaurants. I mean, we are not unique in this regard. It's been surreal. You know, we've done what we could do to uh, to uh, to stay to stay afloat, uh, and um, I feel like we've done a you know a good job. You know, innovating and and powering through. So yeah, I mean, it's been a surreal experience. I mean, but but I don't I don't and I think that everyone's had you know the same kind of. Uh, experience um so well tell me your first reactions that you got when you made this announcement and you put the sign up on the wall and you had customers in for the first night uh did most people already know about it or were they hearing about it as they arrived and what kind of reactions were they giving you i uh, the mess the, uh, the letter that uh, me and uh my director of operations patrick has uh posted on our social media you know propagated very very quickly um you know we've had immediately we've had Many many emails, uh, you know, encouraging us, thanking us for for doing this. 
my father, who's 74 years old, you know, called me up and uh, and told me that you know he's is really uh, uh, feels uh, uh, proud that I've made this decision, and you know that that felt really good. Um, some of the more interesting uh, things we've received, uh, not interesting, but some of the more encouraging messages we've received were from healthcare workers, doctors, and nurses. My personal doctor uh, called me to congratulate and say this is really really important. We, you know, we appreciate the stance you're taking, and uh, I received an amazing, an amazing letter from a nurse uh, who uh, treated COVID patients uh, for the past 18 months, and uh, and really uh, a letter that really moved me, and 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 you know, basically reaffirmed that this was the the really the right call. And you know, we're not refusing anyone from coming to a restaurant. I mean, I think that we're asking for a very, very small sacrifice. If you're not vaccinated, tell us the truth. And you'll get to sit in one of our beautiful patio tables outside, which are very sought after as it is. Um, you know, that, that's all. Do you expect other restaurants to follow suit? Have you heard from any of the other restaurateurs in town? Well, we've heard this morning that uh, Danny Meyer, who's a St. Louis native and he's a pioneer in, uh, in our industry. I and mean, he runs uh, one of the most admired restaurant groups in the world, uh, you know, Union Square Hospitality announced the same kind of measures, uh, mandating his employees to be vaccinated and requiring proof of vaccination for his guests uh, so they can eat indoors. So I think it's, uh, I think, I, I hope that it's uh, something that's going to become the, the norm. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan that, you know, when government can do certain things, it's the role of the business community, business leaders uh, to step in and, and, uh, and uh, take that leadership, and so uh, I think that's I think that's important that it's a decision that comes from our from our business owners, from our business leaders, and uh, I hope to see more of it. I know that uh, locally, Centene uh, is is requiring kind of the same thing. I know that Facebook and, and Google are requiring their employees to be vaccinated, and so I, I think that it's an important uh, you know trend. Um, so yeah. Here in Missouri, does it does it frustrate you at all when you see these people who are refusing to get vaccinated for whatever reason? And not the, I'm not talking about people who have health conditions, but there are a lot of people for a variety of reasons that are just digging in and saying they're not going to do it. Is that frustrating for you as someone who wants to see things get back to some semblance of normal? No, because I'm not. I mean, I, I don't want to pass any value judgments. You know, I mean, you know, I, I feel like that there is definitely a. Uh, you know, uh, you know, some a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of false narratives. Um, it doesn't frust- frustrate me as much as it saddens me. To be honest with you, I mean, I just, I just think that uh, it shouldn't be a polarizing. Uh, it shouldn't be a polarizing subject. It should be something that we can all agree on. That you know, we want our communities to to go, get back to normal. We want to reduce you know, the suffering and unnecessary suffering and, and uh, possible death of our, of our coworkers, of our families. And so to me, it's just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but uh, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm a little frustrated that Missouri has become kind of a hot spot and that we are, that we are portrayed in the, in the media and in the world as, you know, this sort of backward place because we are not. Uh, but I, you know, when you look at the map of, uh, of the recent surge, you see, you know, big red, uh, right, you know, smack in the middle of, of Missouri, or big, you know, uh, it, it, you know, you don't feel proud of that, right? You just, you just 
hope that people will be more, uh, you know, empathetic towards their neighbors, towards their coworkers. Um, you just, you know, all you can do is wish. <laughs> so. All right. Well, Ben Paramba, thank you so much for joining us. Once again, owner of the restaurant group is called Benjolina. The restaurants you've probably heard of down in South City, Olio, Elia, Nixta, and the Benevolent King are under that umbrella. And the new rule with those restaurants is if you don't have a vaccination, you'll be asked to please eat on the patio. They are not going to allow indoor dining for those who are not vaccinated. And so, Ben, thank you so much for joining us here on KMOX. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. And 1044 under stormy skies downtown. Coming up next, don't know if you heard this day, but long time Fox 2 anchor was with KPLR as well. Sandy Miller announced today she is retiring and we're going to get a chance to talk to Sandy in just a moment. Next level listening. News Radio 1120 AM, 98.7 FM, KMOX, the voice of St. Louis. 1048 KMOX at your service. I'm George Sells, and I was spinning through Twitter earlier, and I saw words in a sentence that I just didn't think went together, never thought I would see together. They were Sandy Miller and retirement. Longtime Fox 2 and KPLR anchor Sandy Miller is going to hang it up next month, and she's on the line with us now. Sandy, thanks for joining us on KMOX. Oh, my gosh, you're so welcome. It's so good to hear your voice, George. And yours as well. We were desk next-door neighbors for a very long time at Channel 2, so always shooting the breeze about kids and all that kind of stuff and, and family and the weird hours we worked, and I would assume that those weird hours probably have something to do with making decision now. Oh, absolutely, and you're right. We, we've been doing this a long, long time, so this is about 25 years for me, and I'm at a point where I, I can go ahead and retire and you know i i felt like when the boys were growing up when you and i talked about our kids a ton the boys were growing up i missed a lot i missed a lot of those football games and baseball games and all of the things that they do at night because i'm i'm at work and i didn't want to be on the sidelines for my great kids i wanted to be back in the game so that i could spend time with them so that's what i'm doing so you're going to you got how much time left now? About a month. What kind of what kind of re- reaction did you get today when this all got around the newsroom? Oh my goodness. Um shock and surprise, but a lot of super kind words. You know, George, kind of the cool thing is um you hear all of the wonderful things that you kind of wish that you would have heard all all the as you were there, you know, um, all the time that you had already spent there. But it's kind of like when, when you pass away, everybody says nice things, but now I get to hear it and don't have to pass away. So it's, it's been, there's already been a lot of tears. I'm uh, two weeks away, so two weeks and two days, I guess. Um, and just, you know, you become more than just coworkers when you've worked together for that long. So a lot of great hugs and tears and Great words of encouragement, a lot of congratulations. I heard from Dave Murray, and a lot of our folks are on vacation this week, and they called back in, and remember good old Tom O'Neill, you know, all those guys reached out. So it's been a really special day. Well, we're going to have to go down memory lane now. Give us a favorite story or two, the things that that you're going to kind of have sticking out in your mind when you write your memoir someday. Oh, my gosh. Um, You know what? Our business, there's some really, there's some really tough stories out there to cover, you know, and and I just tried my best to do a good job with those. And I guess the biggest thing that 
I just want to, you know, keep close to my heart is some of the viewers that entrusted me to tell some just amazingly personal stories and some stories that were devastating to their families. And I'm just so humbled that they allowed me to tell those. So that's probably first and foremost, most just how wonderful our community really is. Um, as far as fun stories, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of funny stories. Um, I, I won't name names, but there was a, a co-anchor that I had for several years. We did a story when obscenity laws were going to go into place on Missouri Riverways, and he mistakenly said obesity instead of obscenity, and you can just <laughs> put that story together in your mind. So I came out, and I could not I could not go to break. I was laughing so hard. So there's been some of those few stories that, that were pretty good as well. Those are always the ones. And I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the write-up on the uh, Fox 2 Now website, but uh, we've got the story of your retirement here, and they went the extra mile, and they found the uh, 1984 Miss USA pageant video and have that attached in there. Oh, no. <laughs> Nobody needs to see that. Hair was way too big, and eyeshadow was way too blue back then. That was cool, though, because it's the part where Bob Barker is interviewing you, and the last thing he says, you, you do, he kind of puts you on the spot and had you do a... Oh, a news yeah. run through or something, and the last thing he says to you is, "Watch out, Barbara Walters." Oh, oh my gosh! No, I haven't had a chance to look at that yet. It was a really busy day in the newsroom, so now I'm going to have to go look. You know that you probably know this um, as well as I do. When you're in the business, it's really hard to watch yourself and look at um, you know yourself on camera and be. I, I guess maybe fair to yourself. I'm always a little too critical. Um, so I don't know if I'll get through the whole thing. Was, oh, gosh, that was so many years ago. But fun. I'm going to have to dig, uh, dig those guys out and find out where they, where they found that. <laughs> so uh, what's next? What, what, once the two, we two weeks and two days passes and you walk out, what's, what's next for Sandy Miller? Oh, gosh. You know what? I know, I know one thing is, in this business, you wake up in the morning and you flip on the news, then you read the paper, and then you come to work, and the whole entire way you're listening to the news on the radio, and then you get there and you're looking through wire copy, and then you go on and you do your stories. It's just you live and breathe news 24-7. And I think, I don't know, you got any good good Netflix series or, you know, some, I need you to catch up on some, like, regular fun TV. Oh, yeah. Any recommendations? Let's I'm see. Here. Binge watching uh, Ted Lasso definitely is a, is a one to start with. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe that's what I'll do. Um, seriously, though, just, you know, just kind of settle in. It's hard for me. I've uh, done corporate TV during the days and news at night and radio. In addition, I've squeezed in there. So I've been a busy, busy lady for a long, long time. So I'm looking forward to not quite being so busy with all of that and spending some time. My, my kids, neither one live in town. So um, it's going to be nice to be able to travel to see them a little bit more. I do want to travel with Matt, um, see some places that I haven't seen and just kind of enjoy those kinds of things while I'm still feeling good. You know, I feel healthy. I feel good. And I want to do that stuff while I can still enjoy doing it. All right. Well, Sandy Miller, a fixture here in St. Louis, an icon here in St. Louis for many years. Congratulations on your pending retirement. It's your gain and our loss. Oh, thank you so much. So great to talk to you tonight. Thanks, Sandy. Take care. 1055 on KMOX. Rain looks like it's still coming down out there.
As, so if you're out driving, Sandy, if you're listening, drive carefully, and everybody else should do the same. Thanks for being with us tonight. I'm George Sells. This has been KMOX at your service.